This episode of Landmine Radio is sponsored by Dittman Research. Do you know what the most valuable thing in the world is? High-quality information. Because high-quality information informs much better decision-making. Dittman Research has been providing high-quality information to Alaska's leading businesses, organizations, and campaigns for 50 years. Do you really know what Alaskans think about your company or your issue? How about your clients, your shareholders, or your employees? So stop fumbling around in the dark. Hire Dittman Research and find out what's really going on. DittmanResearch.com Okay, back here in studio with uh, Scott Kendall. How you doing? Good. How you doing, Jeff? We're record- good. We're recording this on a Thursday, and I just uh, told you that today's political report thing, and I haven't even started. I've kind of started, but I got a. You're a subscriber to the political report, so maybe we'll just start off with how good is that? Tell me how amazing that is. That's great. I mean, if you can afford to subscribe, I highly recommend it. Um, Appreciate it's great. That. It's great for my work, and also it's just it's cool stuff to read. We try. We try to put it all out there. The stuff that you're not getting anywhere else. So you're a lawyer with uh, Cashian Gilmore Lindemuth. Correct. Like Lindemuth as in the old AG Lindemuth. Right. Yeah. John Lindemuth. And you went there how long ago? It's been, a... it's been almost exactly two years now. You're, uh, I believe, of counsel. Yes. That's kind of partner. What does that mean? Or Partners are sort of like the owners of the firm. Of counsel just kind of means they, they, you know, they let me occupy an office. We share costs. I mean, we all work together. Because like my buddy Lee Baxter, he's with um, um, Schwabi, mm-hmm. and he made partner recently. But I think at some point, like, they just keep the name. Like, they can't keep adding names, right? Like, right. these big firms, you, you're right. partner, but, you, you know, the name stays where the name is. Exactly. So yeah, yeah, maybe they don't want my name on the letterhead. Maybe that's Cashian Gilmore, Kendall, and where, where, where would you be in there? How, how do you? I don't know. I, I don't think I belong in the same line as Jonna, so it's probably best to stay as is. So you guys are doing um, civil? No, it's no criminal. It's all civil stuff. Or what do you? Actually, one of the partners, uh, John Cashin, he does criminal. So he does criminal work. Um, my oh. other, other partner, Chester Gilmore, he does um, a lot of medical malpractice work. Um, I do the weird stuff that I do, and then Jonna, as former AG, she does all sorts of um, high-level litigation appeals, um, and then we've got a, a several associates that work with us and assist us. Probably something I should ask her, but like, I wonder how that works when like you go into the court and you're a former AG if the judge or the other side's like, oh, shit, damn. I would be. I mean, I work with Jonna every day. You know, I've worked with her for years. Still find her very impressive. So. You worked with her when you were chief of staff to Governor Walker. She was the AG, so you worked pretty close with her, I imagine. Yeah, she became AG about three months before I became chief of staff. So we were sort of the, I guess, the the, the second second line that came in halfway through the administration, so to speak. So it's interesting because it's, um, I mentioned the political report, and it's really nice this summer because it's an off year, no election. Um, session ended in May. I, I Last year... Uh, the session ended, and we're right into the special election for Don Young's seat, and we're in 59 legislative seats because of redistricting. We have the governor's race. We have the U.S. Senate race. And, you know, for our political report, I'm covering that stuff, like all the finance reports. And I mean, it was, it was fucking taxing. I mean, it was like right after session, you're fully <laughs> yeah. into the deep end with election. Um, and, and now it's like pretty slow summer. I mean, politically, there's assembly stuff going on. We're going to talk a little bit about this ballot measure to repeal, and there's some other ballot initiatives that might be out there, but it's kind of nice to have a bit of a break. And finally today, we have some fucking good weather. Yeah, yeah. You and I are sitting in a studio on a, you know, the second 70-degree day of the summer. Wait, what's, so. the, what's the temperature thing? What's the thermometer there say? It says 82. I don't believe it. In the, in the building. It gets pretty okay. hot in here. 76 outside, so yeah. it's nice out there. 
Uh, you just met my, uh, I'll post his first, uh, my cousin's podcast. Johnny Lieberman was in town and he got here Monday with his wife and kid. They're going to Soldovia. But I was like, man, you, you trust me. You came at the right time, partner. Yeah, yeah, exactly. This has been a, a dodgy summer. Although, you know, we all got to remember 2019, 90 degrees, uh, I was, and wildfires and smoke. I'll take this any day. I um, I was telling him about that and how hot it was. Uncharacter- you know, we never get that hot. And I was doing for July 4th, actually, in 2019, I was on Kasugi Ridge. Ooh. with a buddy and it was so fucking hot that we actually started at the bottom from a uh, little cold yeah we start i forget what the trailhead is but you go down to buyer's lake we parked we had two cars and it was so bad i mean we brought a bunch of water but it said you could get, get up the on the on the up part um to the ridge you could like there's ample water supply it was all dried out there was no fucking water like oh, we, we were luckily ran into i mean we got to the top it was really hot there was like no get up you know gettable water because the creeks right. were so dry and Somebody luckily had a little bit of water for us. We got to the top. It was fine. But it was, I mean, it was so, it was 90 degrees, Scott, on top of that ridge. Oh, I know. And the thing is, you know, lower 48ers don't get this. It doesn't cool off. The sun stays up. So and there's no air conditioning. And there's no air conditioning. Yeah, we bought uh, in-room air conditioning for our house. We had to, I had to like almost get into a physical scuffle at Costco. You remember like how it. much those were all sold out in fans too. Were right. Going on Craigslist for triple or quadruple. That's the market. Yeah. But, but I mean, are you, I assume you're a little... Less busy this summer compared to, la- I mean, last summer we had the cl- the redistricting stuff. There was all these legislative races. There was the. I the- think so. But, you know, things are, you know, we've got ballot measures coming. Nick Begich announced he's running today. today yeah, so, I just, he's, he's. So the season begins again. The rematch. I wonder, I don't think Palin will get, I have a hard time believing she's going to get back in, but. I wouldn't think so. I mean, I'm surprised quite honestly that Nick is in. I mean, when have we seen a political rematch in Alaska result in a different outcome. And he's lost twice to Mary Poltola. Like why, why round three? I, I mean, guess we'll he, see. He does seem to be the most logical. I mean, I don't know who else, you know, you know, who I've thought would be, I don't think he would do it, but I mean, somebody, a Republican that would really give Mary, I think a real run, Mike Cronk, hmm. you know, yeah. kind of a rule guy, got the look. He's got, you know, he's not like, he's got authenticity. He's authentic. And yeah. he's just, He's almost like a Don, you know, Don Young type, like kind of, you know, he's living in middle of nowhere. Like I mean, Don- that's what Alaskans want. At the end of the day, they want authenticity and, and likability. And I know Don Young had his critics, but I, I challenge a lot of people like you, you've met him. I, I spent time with him. I challenge you to sit in the room with a guy and not just kind of start liking him. Yeah. And, and I just, I just, I think Mike Cronk has a lot. I'm not saying he's going to run or anything, but I just feel like somebody like him, whereas Nick is, is very smart, but he's, he's just so polished. And, and and there's I think he lacks a little bit of kind of you know that that, that genuine yeah I mean um, what's the biography you were raised elsewhere you came here and three or four years later you ran for Congress like what's the I mean, story? I mean Kronk like leaves Juno and he's like out you know in the middle of nowhere it's like thirty below and he's like you know trapping or hunting and he's and he's like four, this, big, this big beard and you know and it, it's just a, a that, that kind of yeah I mean I know he's running for borough mayor but think about like a Josiah Pocketok like that guy mm-hmm. I mean. Incredibly likable, inc- incredibly charismatic, incredibly authentic, and he's and, that's in, what he, and, he, want. and he's independent too. Yeah, he's um, a political independent. I, mean, I, I think Begich, uh, and like I said, I've interviewed him before. I mean, I, I like him; he's very smart. But um, I just think, at the end of the day, I don't know his name. I just think is such a bad negative for him. I, I think there's so many people who just see that because you know how this is. I mean, right. for the like, the political people listening, they know this, but for the people that aren't like plugged in, I mean. Only a few people like Dunleavy and like Lisa Murkowski, even maybe Bill Walker's starting to fade as far as like who people know. 
Right. You know, they just don't really, a lot of people just don't know. It's really hard to get that, like, you know, I know this person, na- name, top right. name ID. Right. And I, and I think, if I'm going to put myself in the mind of Nick Begich for a minute, I think what he is cynically thinking is a bunch of Democrats are going to vote for me by accident, and then I'll get the Republican votes and I'll win. Um, I think the big problem he's got is his first introduction to Alaskans was, you know, going after Don Young tooth and nail. Yeah. Don Young's beloved. Then after Don Young passes away, he goes tooth and nail after Sarah Palin. Sarah Palin's beloved by another group. And then after that, he goes tooth and nail after Mary Peltola, who's liked by yet another group. So what group of Alaskans has Nick Begich not offended at this point? And what is his base? I mean, I wonder if, if, if it is going to be, you know, and this is still more than a year off, but it is if it is going to be, in fact, Peltola and Begich, um, how much of it is going to, and this is one of the ways Don Young used to win. Like, I remember many years ago, Ethan Berkowitz was very close and, they started running that a vote for um, Ethan Berkowitz is a vote for Nancy Pelosi. I mean, I wonder, depending on the mood of the country, how, I mean, how much of it's going to be, there's like the people, but the, then there's like the bigger picture. It's like, what are those people represent? And if it's going to, you know, whether it's like taking back the house, it's so close and right. how much money is going to get spent on this thing. And there's going to be the Biden, probably Trump dynamic. So I wonder how much that plays into this race. I, I don't know. I mean, Alaskans, the way they vote is so a la carte, right? Because if you saw, if I told you Governor Dunleavy wins in the first round last election, you'd say, okay, Mary Piltola got smoked and Lisa Murkowski's in trouble. Mm-hmm. But that didn't happen. So Alaska voters, they go a la carte race by race. I mean, there, were, there was a lot of um, national kind of, and some of these people, obviously they don't live here. So it'd be like me commenting on some other place, I wouldn't have much insight. But um, there was a lot of uh, commentary on like, what the fuck happened? How did this governor win? And how did this Democrat, Paltola, win? And then Murkowski won. Right. It was very confusing for, for people who were I like mean, people just observing. Don't, they just don't give Alaska voters enough credit, which is, you know, to some degree, we hire for these jobs independently. You know, for a governor, I want the guy who got us through COVID. And, just may, and maybe the guy who just got me a $3,400 PFD. Good timing on that. For Senate, I want that the woman who has consistently delivered for our resource industry. And maybe in the house, you know, it's, well, you know, she's, she's plugged in and authentic. She cares about our fisheries and the other two just are fighting like cats and dogs. And so I like, so, so and I want to talk a little bit about the rank. I mean, I, I've said this before I voted, I voted against it just because I was concerned with the kind of confusion and the complexity of the ranking. I think the majority of people understood it. I mean, there was maybe a few that didn't, um, I'm going to vote to keep it. Because uh, I love how all the kind of partisans are freaking the fuck out. I just love watching that. I love it. Um, and I, I think it's, you know, I, I, as an independent, I ran in 2020. I've talked about this before. I had to get out because Democrat didn't get out. She was supposed to. And right. if that was the case, I would have stayed in because it would have yeah. been um, a, a path. But um, I mean, I guess I would characterize it different. You know, you say the parties are freaking out. But what I see happening the, the part, is... The partisan, the very partisan people. Yeah. I, what I see is it's free market elections. It's very competitive to the very end. And I, to me, I like that. I want you fighting. I don't want you to win your primary and then coast. I want you fighting for my vote up into the tape. And that's what the system Well, is. I think we... And, and, and we, you know, the, one of the selling points, and you were very involved with this, but it was like, you can have the second choice. It's like, you don't have to vote for one person. You can have a second... But in the case of, of the uh, House race, you had Begich and um, Palin were kind of fighting each other. Right. And then you also had, in the governor's race, you had Walker and Guerra, um, not so much fighting each other, but they were eating up each other's votes. And, and I was pretty shocked. I mean, Dunleavy um, got 50, I think, two. He won outright in the first round, which right. um, just kind of surprised me. 
I mean, obviously there was Pierce didn't get much, and he was Dunleavy got really lucky in a weird way where he didn't really have right. a Republican challenger, even though he was vulnerable to some Republican, you know, the the Valley people and the Anzinc type thing. But then he really didn't have a unified opponent and 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 the and the center to the left of the left of the progressive Democrat side. No, I, I think you analyzed it just right, which is if you were Dunleavy. You know, Dunleavy 2021, 2022 was not 2019 Dunleavy. I think we can all agree he pivoted hard to the middle. He handled COVID, even if you were a critic, you know, I got to give him a B at least on COVID. He handled it in a way that perhaps sometimes put him in conflict with his base, but he handled it more or less responsibly and could have been vulnerable from the right. But what do you know? The guy who got in on the right, Charlie Pierce, completely unravels in a sex scandal. Landmine broke that one, by the way. Yeah, well. And and there you go. So that he got a best case scenario on the on the the other part of the ballot. You had um, what we really saw from the system, both in the case of Nick Begich and I think to some degree Lascara, is examples of how not to succeed in the system, which is find the candidate you're most closely aligned with and and beat them up. Yeah, like 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 Les was going after Walker on some of this pro the really pro life issue was like right. one of the More, big ones. To some degree, some cr- critics would say more than he was going after the incumbent. How is it strategic to sit there and fight over an ever-diminishing pie? Nick Begich did the same thing. He ran a clinic on how to not succeed in the system by unrelentingly being negative. To some degree, hurt Sarah, but hurt himself. So when you look at it, why was he in third place? Well, look at the way Sarah and Mary behaved. Um, And I actually, you know, um, I have kind of a warm spot in my heart for Governor Palin. I've met her a number of times. Interpersonally, she's inc- incredibly charismatic. I do think she loves the state. I think that's authentic. But look at how she and Mary actually looked for areas where they agreed. Well, that's what I was going to say. I mean, they, they go back to when she was governor, and they were, I think they were both pregnant at the same time. They were right. kind of friendly. They were like, I mean, she came on podcast, and she basically said, I love Mary. Right. We, we don't agree on some things, but I love her. You know? And and they both did much better than Nick, despite all of the spending, uh, despite the outside spending that – because Nick was just going negative, 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 dark, dark, dark. And it doesn't mean you have to pretend that there's sunshine and rainbows, but what it does say is this system rewards people who are honest with the voters. I, w- I wonder this time if the Republicans are going to, you know, we're going to get behind Begich or if there's going to be another Palin type, you know, somebody out there who, who's going to have to, you know, divide, end up dividing Republicans. Well, I mean, I think at the end of the day, we got to remember, you know, take go back to first principles, which is, you know, 13, 14% of the state are Democrats, 23, 24% are Republicans. They're mostly fighting for the votes of nonpartisans like me. So at the end of the day, it's more about the, the positive vision you've got than even the party affiliation. That helps, but that helps at the margins. I mean, that's why we saw a Democrat and, a, and Republicans win statewide is at the end of the day, the difference maker is, are you, are you negative? Are you trust? Are you untrustworthy? Um, or are you presenting a positive vision, yeah. and are you looking for common ground that brings people together? Going back to, to Dunleavy, you mentioned kind of 19, 2019 Dunleavy. I've called him the black swan governor because not only did COVID bail him out of the rec- recall, and I, I actually think he would have beat, I, I really believe he would have beat the recall, but it would have drug on for another six months or more, and it would have impacted his ability to govern. So he gets the, the, the COVID, kills the recall, and then Putin invades Ukraine, yeah. and he gets the $100 plus oil, and the money for the thirty two hundred dollar whatever dividend, right? Which which was like you said earlier, people That's family four election 12, day. over yeah. twelve grand, 
And they and they put it out. Remember, they put it out a little bit early. Yeah, I mean, so it was I, not I, an accident. I would not mind campaigning under those conditions. So, I mean, and, and no, and the third black swan thing is this Pierce kind of just right. never really that big of an opponent, but just a meltdown of this kind of scandal and having no, have not, not having to answer to the the right. Well, and sometimes it's better to be lucky than good. But if I were to give his team credit, I will say they saw what Lescara was doing in terms of shrinking the pie on the left. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you saw, but very late in the game, they put out a a mailer campaign that basically attacked, quote-unquote, Lascara as the only pro-choice candidate. It was like a pink mail. Yeah, It it used the Planned Parenthood colors and everything. I saw that, yeah. And they knew knew because they knew, head-to-head, Bill Walker and Mike Dunleavy, that's a race. The other thing... They were trying to elevate less, which is smart. That's smart politics. The other thing that I got to give the, you know, Dunleavy and really this team credit for is there wasn't really much debates and he, he didn't go to many uh he skipped some but there was a channel two one which was kind of the one that everybody had to go to and it was this ignoring that fucking bell they kept ringing you know <laughs> he did not take the bait once yep i mean walker and Vigera were just going all the but dunleavy just kind of calmly answered the questions never they were throwing at him but he never once took the bait and i was surprised because i, I think he wanted to i think he Wanted to say other things, but but I think he was told, look, do not take the bait. I mean, there is no question that he became a better candidate over time. There's no question that he governed better over time. So, you know, whether or not I supported him, like, do I think 2021, 2022, Dunleavy would have been subject to recall? No way. I mean, look at his budget. Look at the budget this year. Looks like a Bill Walker budget. Yeah, no, it's it? it's it's a normal dividend, and we actually boosted education funding. Well, he he put in the big dividend, but even the House Republicans right. decided. You know, they were like, "All right, this is and this is the thing I predicted and I had said for a long time." I, I kind of hope the Republicans would, would take over, just because I want to see what they would do. And very quickly, they said, "Like, shit, we can't afford this big dividend," and they cut it right. down to fifty fifty. They cut it down themselves. The House right. Finance Committee, the House Majority, uh, then it went down to the twenty five seventy five. But I mean, that that in itself was really the only cut. I mean, there's a few around the edges. I mean, they didn't really. I mean, Dunleavy puts out a budget that's not by by far anything close to 2019, where they were trying to cut a billion. It yeah, was like the, it was a very status quo. The only changes in the budget were the size of the dividend and the education funding. That's booth. it. Other than that, it was a rounding. I actually error. ran into him at that. Uh, I was kind of upset because they invited the press down to the energy, you know, conference, and it was the right. carbon bill thing, and they invited us down. To, and we get there, and they say, "Oh." Um, this guy, uh, Grant Robinson, he's a new guy. Sorry, we, uh, we're not going to take questions from the media. I'm like, what the fuck am I doing here? Like, why did I come down, you know? <laughs> it's like a circle jerk. I'm going to watch you guys do a... I mean, that is one thing I will say I do disagree with. Because um, one thing I've admired about uh, electeds that I've worked for, show up and answer the question. Well, and, Just and then, answer the questions. Because so, they, they knew we were going to ask about vetoes before the vetoes were announced. So I actually like, see him when he's done. And he's with Corey Mulder, his kind of new handler. And I was like, hey, what's up, uh, Governor? What's up with the vetoes? And he really... Well, we got to look at the budget. I go, dude, it's your budget minus the dividend, <laughs> smaller, and the education money. Right. What do you want? I mean, that's it's your budget, basically. And yeah, he actually vetoed a couple things that he put in the budget, which was a little confounding. But I, you know, I've been inside. I know to some degree the vetoes are a political act. It's you know you got to show you're responsible by giving it a haircut. So, so I want to talk about now. There's this repeal group uh, formed and. Um, very weird on Twitter. I don't. They just say 
Kind of wild shit. Right, and you're talking about the repeal of ballot measure two. Correct, yeah, the yeah. ranked choice. And they have, what are they called? Alaska Honest Elections or whatever they're called. So they got they got a whole handful of groups. They got Alaska's for Honest Elections, the official group. They got Alaskans for Honest Government that somehow is registered with the FEC. They got the Ranked Choice Education Association, which is registered nowhere and also is a church. Like, they well, got they got The, the Honest Elections people for. are just tweeting kind of um, weird shit. I've been following them um, for a while, but well, they blocked me, so you got to you, you're gonna have to. Yeah, you got to get a burner. You got to get a burner account. <laughs> that's one. The one promise I make is I will never get a secondary Twitter account. Whatever you get from me, that's it. Just get get it so you can you can at least see what's out there. Okay, um, maybe I will. So now there's this effort to repeal, and I'm not sure how much money they have. They claim they're getting signatures, and maybe they are, but it's just interesting to me how it's a lot of the conservatives are the ones pushing this, but I mean, they get a Republican governor reelected the first time since 1978, uh, Hammond, the first governor reelected since Knowles in nine 98. Um, the house Republic, the house after six years goes back Republican with, you know, kind of the move, Josiah Pocketock and the Bush caucus. Mm-hmm. The, the Senate is bipartisan now, but I mean, you still have like Republicans that are in Senate majority, president, yeah, majority, of uh, co- Republicans. Two, you know, Bert yeah. Stedman still, I guess some Republicans don't like him, but, I mean, you still have half Republicans. So, I mean, they didn't do bad. I mean, I guess they're probably pretty upset about the Chewbacca situation and probably the Beltola. Maybe that's the where they're... But overall, I would say they didn't, like, lose big or anything. Well, I mean, there are some partisans who want um, not only Republicans, but they want their brand of Republicans. They want to control these people through the primary. They want to absolutely make these people obedient to the primary electorate, not the electorate at large. And that's the change. And I'm not apologetic about that. I actually think elections should be competitive on the general election. I actually think uh, a public official should be answerable to all their constituents, you know, not get knocked out by 5% of their constituents, as we saw happen to John Coghill in a primary. I think that's perverse when you set up a system that does that. A few votes, it was like 10 votes or 11 votes. Very, very close. And again, very low turnout. So, you know, if 5% of your constituents kick you out, what kind of mandate is that? So I guess assuming they get the signatures, and let's assume they do, uh, this thing barely passed. It was 51 or something. Uh, I've seen polling. Um, Dittman did some polling that part of it got released, I think, with the chamber. Uh, it showed this is very close. So what are your thoughts about, I mean, obviously there's going to be, are the people who pr- promoted it in the first place, the ballot measure two, the groups, the, the people the people that funded, are they going to be back to, to keep it, to keep it? Because it's going to be an expensive um, initiative, I would, would assume. Yeah, I, I think... By the know, way, they can buy ads on the alaskalandmine.com. Call me. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure I'm sure you'll see some business next year with all the ballot measures in the offing, potentially up it's to It's pretty slow this year Yeah, for ads. Um, I, I mean, I think you will see the same sort of allies come together. I think it's a bigger coalition now. Um, we're picking up a lot of very prominent folks who are supportive now. There are a lot of skeptics across the spectrum that said the world didn't end. There was only 300 and some spoiled ballots statewide. So the, you know, what we've got right now are the bad faith arguments work, but the bad faith arguments can be disproved. This idea that it was too complicated, that's been disproved. This idea that it drove down turnout, well, that that's a BS argument. That's an argument based on what the voter rolls were before um, automatic voter registration. Guess what? You add 60,000, vo- you know, low turnout voters to the rolls, the number changes. So... I do think it's going to be close because, unfortunately, some public figures have made it a partisan issue, and it shouldn't be because it's a nonpartisan election system. But I think when you get the good faith arguments out there and you have the debate, I'm very confident that, you know, 
Alaskans are not going to tell the parties, yeah, go ahead and take that ballot out of my hand. I had the power, but take it away from me. What about one thing I've heard um, kind of from the conservatives and I hear like Picaro talk about it on talk radio and others, uh, the dark money element. I mean, they think that they say, well, this dark money was one of the reasons, but then there's still this dark money and they're, they're getting dark money. And I wonder how much that's going to be part of this you know, campaign. Because um, I mean, it's going to be, I assume the repeat, I haven't read it, but the repealer is going to be the whole thing, right? Whatever was passed in 2020 would get re- repealed. Um, you know, I would say if you want to talk about dark money, let's talk about these guys pushing the repeal. They formed a church to launder donations through. I don't know if people are getting tax breaks, but it sure looks like they are because why else would you form a church called, by the way, the Ranked Choice Education Association? So, I mean, if we got a dark money problem, that problem is squarely on the repealers. And, and the dark money um, portion of the initiative only, I think, only applied to candidates, right? Correct. There's there's different regimes of campaign finance for ballot measures and for candidates. And so for ballot measures... And for group, like, what about groups? I mean, they're, they're, right. those are already kind of... They have right. to disclose, right? Like PACs or independent expenditures. Exactly. And, and what people don't realize is for ballot measures, because they're words on paper, they can't really be corrupted the way a public official could be. Corporations could always contribute, which they can't contribute to an individual uh, candidate. Uh, the contributions were always unlimited. So thinking of like, st- like Stan for Alaska, a lot of the right. oil companies you know, kicked in for that, right? Right. And so you can't regulate ballot measure funding the same way. Um, I will say Alaskans for Better Elections has always followed the disclosure rules. They'll follow them in full. Um, But what's going on right now with the repealers is, you know, they will get their chance. I should say everyone's entitled to due process of law. They'll get their chance to respond. I think July 26th, the APOC has told them, we want to hear your response to this complaint. So there's a complaint that was filed recently on on this church thing and this other kind of um, some disclosure uh, issues, right? Yeah, I mean, the, the problem and... There's, there's two dozen violations in the complaint, but the big problems are they formed a church to launder money through. So we don't know where the Paula Delario are. involved? Because um, I am terrified of that woman. I mean, she, I never want to be on her bad side if I'm like in any kind of public. I, I want her on my, I will man, say this. I want her she, on my side because she, she is a meticulous. She's a savage at these complaints. When she is a meticulous records keeper. So you always want her on your team keeping your books clean. Um So you've got, you know, first of all, you got that church. Like, and if anyone can come up with a, a good faith explanation for why you create a church in Seattle, Washington, and then launder contributions through it, and then have that housed within another church here in Anchorage. I'm all ears. The other problem they've got is this Philip Eisen. He's the guy, quote unquote, running it. He is reported that in the space of two weeks, he contributed $200,000 of his time, and that's what it's worth. So he's juiced up what looks like their their support. Out of the 290-some thousand, 200,000 of it is him saying, I work for them. So I, I saw, um, again, it's, you know, it's on Twitter, so a grain of salt, but it was from them. And it was like, I think it said we need, we just need 6,000 more signatures. Have you seen that? I've seen, so, I, I, I mean, will I, tell you, I have seen back in May that they said they were already done. What, what do they need? They need a percentage of the last election, right? So they need 27,000 uh, gross signatures, but those have to be valid. So you always have to gather 20% more, but you also need 7% of last turnout in 30 of 40 districts. house districts right yeah so you so have to get you can't just get them all in anchorage and fairbanks right otherwise you could just go to the state fair post up there and almost qualify right away so it's not easy but i don't know what to believe i mean i will tell you they have told people they're already done they've told people it's really tough and they're not close to done now they're saying they're 80 percent done i don't know what they mean by done when's the deadline 
Um, depends. You have a full year from when you're certified, so they technically have till I think next February. But if they want to be on the ballot next year, they have to they have to uh, file them uh, the day before the legislative session. That's starts. what that's okay. That's what I thought. So they have to file it by basically January January fourteenth. Yeah, 14th. early mid January. Yeah, which um, I I think they're probably going to get it. I I assume there's enough people that would want to you know volunteer. Uh, it might be you know close. We'll see if they if they all count because I know with the 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 recall. I mean, they needed what forty, whatever the number was. They, they needed twenty five percent. They got like they turned like fifty or something, right? right? Or some crazy number. Right. They needed a lot more, and they have to be valid, and they have to be from where they're supposed to be from. So we'll see what happens where that ends up. But that that would be one initiative. And now there's, I'm not sure about your involvement. I know there's talk of two others. There's a a term limits one, and then there's a uh, campaign contributions initiative out there because. Right, right now we have unlimited. Um, this is the Ninth Circuit ruling. We saw this last set, last cycle was the first time, and you know Walker, Dunleavy, get, they were all getting. I mean Walker and Dunleavy were getting some of the hundred thousand dollars. I mean you're getting a lot right. of legislative candidates getting you know five ten thousand um, dollar, really big. And I, I think five hundred was too low. Right. I think unlimited's probably crazy. Right. There needs to be kind of a, a, a sweet spot. Right. But are you are you part of this uh, campaign contributions one? So I did. Yeah, I worked on that. I drafted that. Um, I'm part of the group. You? And, no way. <laughs> Scott Kendall? But but I agree with you. 500 was too low. So it was passed as 500 back in the 80s. And so for this bill, we sort of inflation adjusted that, which came out to like 1600 bucks. Wasn't it like higher at one point? And then it was 1000 but then there was an initiative yeah. that took it down to 500 Yeah, the legislature j- jacked it up to 1000 And immediately there was a ballot measure in 2006 that put it back down to 500 So we know how the public feels. They want it as low as possible. What the problem is the Ninth Circuit has said that's too low. And, you know, under the constitutional law, they're right. So what we did was we inflation adjusted it. That came out to about 1600 and then we just kind of rounded up to 2000 Per, per year or total? Uh, per cycle. Okay, so because before it was 500 per year. So that was one change we made was... You'd have to go back to somebody twice and say, hey, right. you know, hook, okay, it's... The- we made the change... Um, to make it like the FEC, which is which is what makes sense, which is what's the election cycle, not like go ask for a max contribution on December thirty first and then ask for another on January. It doesn't. 1st. Wait, it doesn't. If I recall, doesn't the FEC can't you do it like primary and then general? There is, but you can basically give it all. So okay, it, it's a it's the same thing as we're doing here, which is basically treat it as an election cycle as one race, and that's the that's the total limit. I mean, I think it should be higher, uh, also because there's this, and I've I've run one of these groups, these IE groups. I mean. You, you can form a group and, and give unlimited. That's been right. for a while since, you know, Citizens United. But I will say, and I've thought about this a lot, and I used to think, well, it's the same fucking thing. It's not. You form a group. You have to get a few people. Right. You have to put, know what you're doing. There, there's work there, right? And you, you get, have to stay walled off from the candidate in every way, shape, and form. There's and, all rules about it. But it just right. it's not just like, you can't just say like, hey, I have $100,000. I want it. You have to hire people. You have to get a group of at least two people. There's, there's, there's work to be done. Right. You could give a... Canada, hundred thousand dollars. I mean, that's what's Don't scary. tell me right. they aren't thinking about whoever you are, whatever right. you're giving it for. Don't tell me that's not having an impact. Right, and and you know, all the all the public officials I've worked with, you know, very ethical people in it for the right reasons. But like you say, if someone, if I were a candidate and someone handed me a check for a hundred thousand dollars, I will probably remember their name. I mean, I mean, there's that, people. That's going to be tough. There, there's some some people are just like you know they don't give a shit, and it's like. Somebody gives you a lot of money and they come to you and say, I want something, they say, fuck yourself. But but not everybody's like that. And, well, and, and, and public trust is important too. So imagine a world in which a wealthy person comes in with two and a half, three million dollars and they just buy race after race, $100,000 contributions 
what's the public's level of trust when one person has basically financed the campaigns of half the legislature? I think that's a that's a problem. So I think the two thousand dollar cap to me, it's probably a little high, but but it prevents those outlier situations. I mean, and I think if this, and I assume it's going to get the signatures, I don't even know who's going to fight it. Tell you the truth, I mean, I, 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 mean, I, it, I think it'll probably path with sixty or seventy percent. I don't. If it qualifies for the ballot, I will tell you from polling I've seen over seventy percent of every demographic group, Democrats, Republicans, Independents, over seventy percent want it. I mean, so, j- just imagine. I can't even imagine anybody wanting to like publicly fight it. We need unlimited. I mean, nobody wants to be that person. Well, most of us, I mean, they, you know, we go through life. We can't even conceive of giving someone a hundred bucks, let alone a hundred thousand dollars. So, you know, I, I think whatever the result, the people have the right to vote on this and the legislature, you know, this is a classic situation where the ballot measure is needed because the legislature for whatever reason I mean, just can't get this over the well, line. And they try like, so not this session, but last session they, they tried. tried to, I was in the room. It was the Senate. It was, they were trying to write it by hand. It was, you know, there was the clock was timing out. They had like 40 minutes left. They were trying to run it through a house bill that was already passed right. the house and they were trying to, but they couldn't get it together. And then this year it didn't even really come up. Right. I mean, nobody even really talked about it. Right. So, and, and the, but the public cares passionately about it. So this is an attempt to put it, you know, and, and and compliments to Rep Shragi, you know, who that was his bill. Yep. He was passionate about it. He's a prime sponsor of this ballot measure. He said, I just want the people to have a chance to vote on it. So what about the term limits one? Now, that's another one that's out there. I heard so about. first of all, I have no involvement of that. Second of all, um, if you want to make a little friendly wager, I will give you three to one that the, the AG is going to kick that out because you, you can't put term limits on. It's unconstitutional. Really? How, why is that? So, and this has happened at the federal level, and actually the state, but you, someone, but you, but, someone, but, someone but, tried in the state before, so. But they could pass a bill to make it term limits, right? They could not, and here's why. Oh, really? The, the, there's a bill, there's a, House members put up a resolution for that. Right. Well, the Alaska Constitution says, has, has very specific, these are the qualifications for office. And the Alaska Supreme Court has considered this issue and oh, said. Oh, it doesn't say term limits in there. Right. Yeah. That they did that for the, they did that for the governor with intention. They put these requirements in for all other offices. So to, to add something to that list would be unconstitutional because the founders thought about it and decided not to. Okay, well, the House thing, um, that's, a, that's a constitutional amendment. So that's, what, that's right. what they introduced. Yeah, a constitutional amendment could do it. But this ballot measure, I am very... Who's, I don't even know who's behind this. I saw a I don't even know. blurb about it, but it didn't really, you know... No, someone asked me if I was behind it, and I'm like, heck no, that's, that's unconstitutional. I, you know, I've had over the years mixed feelings, and I used to think that we need them. But uh, I, I think it's really not good. I mean, I think you yeah. start to empower longtime staffers or bureaucrats, and you know, you, you you end up having to oftentimes lose good people, right? Because they're termed out, and then there's there's you know they might get replaced by a. I mean, I do think turnover is good, right? That that's and, and, where I but, am. And the, look at what we had this year. We had half, almost half of the house is new, right? Right. So and, and we have term limits. It's called elections, and I think you're right that if we put term limits in. The people with longevity would have the power, and that would be longtime staffers and lobbyists. I don't think that's a better world. So, if you're a bad legislator, great, your constituents will vote you out. But do well, I, 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 I want to see Lyman Hoffman leave before it's time? No way. I mean, Lyman's a master of the system. I will say I am surprised how many people get reelected that have really no business for whatever reason that bad opponent or they're kind of in. Tra- it's that whole thing where you know it's like con- congressional approval is ten percent, but. People love their guy. Right. And and candidate quality. I mean, these, they're not the best paying jobs in the world. You have to leave your family for months at a time. It is going to go up a little bit. This actually yeah, quite a bit. It's so, going to go to 84, which is, which I think horrible process. I've commented on that a lot, 
But I think the pay should be 150 for large. I think we should pay them a lot, and I, we get better people. You know, more more people want to run. I tend to come down where you do. Like they, that process was broken and ugly. Soviet, and very Soviet. Very yeah, very uh, North Korea, right? Correct. Um, but. We need to pay legislators. If it's a year-round job, we need to pay people like it is. Otherwise, you know, why is why is this teacher going to leave her job? Why is why is this attorney going to leave her job? I'm sure you've heard as many people as me or more. You've, you've said, "Hey, you want to run for office?" And they go, "Are you nuts?" Right. Like fifty grand, four months and five months in June. I mean, no way. Right. So this might get a few more people to, right. to decide. Hey, maybe. And I, and I think they could fix. I, I would love to see them raise the pay and fix the per diem issue because I worked in the executive and our per diem was the federal per diem. So you know what we got? Like thirty six dollars a day to yeah. to feed ourselves. I think it should be like one fifty. That's it. No per diem. Just here's your money. That, that, that eliminates the kind of let's stay as long as possible to get the you know the extra. Right. And when the you're per- paying people three hundred and fifty bucks a day to not finish their job, like I don't know whether that's a disincentive to finish your job, but boy, that doesn't. You know, that, that's not the way any job I've ever it, had it, it does create um, kind of a perverse incentive mm-hmm. for, I mean, I don't know if it's like people are top of mind, but I think they are thinking, well, if it's another two weeks or month, I mean, shit, that's another, right. I mean, obviously, and I think the per diem is, I think we should get rid of it, pay more, but it, it, it is a thing people go after that it's almost ridiculous because 9000 a month, okay, you got to live in Juneau, right. you got to, you got to, I mean, it's not... They are pocketing some money, but right. they aren't getting rich. Like right. it's, it's it's just thing people go after, and they just glom under the per diem. Well, I think there are some people who criticize, and maybe rightly so, because there are very ethical legislators who actually refuse to take per diem when they go over time, and there are very ethical, a few. There are very ethical legislators who say, if I'm not in Juno working, I won't take per diem. And we have seen legislators who have taken per diem for time they're not even the, the, in the, the capital. I, I, we, we get for the political report, we get we get the report. You know, right. the bulk of them take all of it. Right. You know, and even when they're not there and, but, but I mean, granted, you know, you, I wrote about the driftwood. I mean, they tried to jack up the rent, you know, four times and it's, that's it, most a bizarre thing. And, and I've never been a move the capital guy, but I'm kind of getting there because every session now it goes way past 90 days and you have this situation where and you probably saw when you were there, like, it's like mid April, people are scrambling around. Where am I going to live? I'm right. staying in my office or I'm staying in like a, somebody's couch for right. a couple of nights so I can find a new apartment or I can find a, a room to rent. I mean, this is not a way to like, this is a time when things are getting pretty busy and right. you have half the staff like, fuck, where am I going to live? Yeah. Because they're getting, they, they have three month leases. Right. Because all of a sudden 40 and 50,000 tourists are landing on Juno day. And, and all these workers day. come in, you know, and people, right. they, these, they're getting a lot more money for the rentals in the summer than they are in the winter. It would be good to see. And I know they're thinking of moving this way of some sort of like state funded housing. Like it could be basic. It could be like dorms, but give them. Well, they're, they're building be. that right now at the assembly right. building. They're going to have 30, I think 36 units, which the legislators get first pick and then step. But what I've said is, you mark my words, that is going to turn into a dramatic shit show. Somebody's going to be sleeping with somebody. There's going to be, it's like they're all in the same building, right? And sure, I mean, oh my God, yeah. something's going to go down. They're, it's like a know, big brother. It, it's a little, yeah, it's a little troubling because sometimes some people, some small minority of folks who are down there treat Juno like summer camp. And that's not great. Well, yeah, you're I just raising, raised my, I just raised my hand. hand. I'm raising my, I, I, but that's I mean, not, you gotta have fun down there. Otherwise you go crazy. Yeah. I mean, having fun is okay within bounds, but I think people do expect their legislators to go down there and get to work and not, you know, necessarily be out till 2am every night. Yeah. I mean, some, some, this is not a secret. I'm just going to say, it. I gotta say, I gotta give Mike Prox like major credit. This guy is, he's older. He goes, you know, he goes pretty hard. He stays out late. He's always at work though. I mean, 
I mean, I, Mike, he, he, I like he's, Rep Prox. He, I have he, actually he gets down, him. but he, he he's there. He's there at eight o'clock in the morning. I have not been in a bar with Rep Prox, but I've actually engaged with him on some subjects, and he's he's much more thoughtful than people give him credit for. He's oh yeah, no, he's he's, he's I like him a lot. Yeah, he's 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 great. You haven't been down to Juno much, have you? For I mean, you were nineteen. I mean, nineteen basically was eighteen was your last year. I yeah, eighteen, and then you know, of course, when I left the executive, I had a I had a restrictions on what my employment could be, and I sort of made the personal decision that. If I'm under a ban, I'm not even going to be in Juno. I don't want people thinking I'm lobbying or doing something I shouldn't. So I didn't. And then, of course, we had COVID, which kind of took it off the table. So I've been there. I've been down there a small handful of times in 21 and 2022. But, yeah, haven't been down there much. So let's talk about next year's election. I mean, I've, I wrote this a few weeks ago that it's going to be way calmer, not as jammed up as last year. because One statewide election. One statewide election instead of three. And then 50 legislative seats instead of 59. Um, and you know, there might be some ballot initiatives we talked about, but it's going to be, I think a lot of these people who won these house, a lot of them are going to, you know, run for reelection, probably not going to be right. a ton of, and it was interesting how there was only, I think 12 out of 59 legislative races, only 12 went to the rank choice round. Right. And, and then many, I think it was, I have to remember this, it was way more than half only had one or two candidates. I mean, you hope more and more people run because we did have more candidates. We had more competitive races in the past, but I don't think we truly saw the potential of the system because, like you say, only a handful of the races had, you know, more than five in the initial round, had, you know, three or more when they went to the general mm-hmm. election. So the hope is, but, you know, the, the flip side to that is like an Eagle River and, and one of the Valley seats, um, you had races where you had just Republicans on the ballot. Now that seems odd. Yeah, like but, Merrick and McCarty and, right. and Allard. Well, I guess what was that Rep Branson guy? He he didn't even have any money, and he got forty three percent. So I think Allard right. could have some problems. Right. So I mean, what's what's encouraging about that is, well, in the old system, you know, Rep or Senator, excuse me, Merrick would have won the primary, and it's over. She doesn't even have an opponent. Yeah, like the, the, so. So they were competitive, even if it's Republican on Republican. The, people the, have a choice in the general. The one really interesting race was the Jesse Sumner for Republicans, right? In the general, which is and, good. And then he I hired mean, he hired uh, the guy that. Menard. He hired Menard. He hired one of the guys he beat. Yeah. Yeah. And that, I think that's good because you had a competitive race all the way to the end and Rep Sumner earned the win rather than win in the primary when only 10 or 15% of the voters were voting. So I feel like next year, the whole thing is going to be this congressional race. That's going to be the, you know, the thing that sucking out all, all the air out of the room. But I will say, you know, cause I've worked in these races. Um, we shouldn't expect it to look like, you know, Dan Sullivan versus Al Gross because national attention when you're one of, you know, 500 and some, it's not the same as one of our, because our Senate 435. seats. 435. Right. Yeah. One of our Senate seats, that's just as valuable as any Senate seat. But in this case, what I was saying earlier, it's the majority in the Republican side is five. So I right. think there's this, this could be. Com- it, will, it will depend on how competitive it looks. And I will say, I can't tell you right now. I, I can tell you Rep Peltola is broadly well-liked. She actually has the highest approval. Of yeah, no, I saw some figure. polling. She's very, yeah, she's doing very well. And it will depend approvals. on the opponent she has. And she's going to have, she's going to, for it to be competitive, they'll have to be likable opponents. 2026 is going to be a, going to be a jammed up. You're going to have a governor right, and Sullivan great. and the, you know, how, the house race. You're going to have, again, three. That'll be back to, you know, what we saw last time Sullivan ran where we had record-breaking spending. Oh, yeah, that was... Great for the landmine. I gotta say, you know, we, uh, if you're listening, folks, and you want to buy an ad or have a <laughs> campaign or a group or a business or anything, uh, feast or famine for you guys. Get, get, get a hold of me. Yeah, it's you know, luckily I have my political report, which is almost three years now, and that's 
know, a year round thing. And, and that's a different kind of model, but um, subscription based, but the landmine, it just, it's just, like you said, feast for famine. There's just really not much going on right now. Right. Well, I do think, you know, there's five potential ballot measures, probably only, you know, three or four of those end up actually going, but there'll be some interesting mm-hmm. stuff because we're looking at the minimum wage issue. Um, you know, whether or not the um, ballot measure to repeal makes it on um, this campaign finance one, I think that's an interesting one. I, I don't, to be honest, I don't know that that one will need to advertise a lot to win. Yeah, that right? one I think will just. I think that's just sort of a no brainer. I, I, I should say uh, it's slow for advertising, but I do want to give a shout out to some of my, my long term advertisers. <laughs> we got the uh, Oxford Gold folks, uh, Associated General Contractors, Blueprint Alaska. I do want to give a, it's not like we have no ads. We do have some really good long term people that have been. Really good about advertising on the on the website, but um, I think Cashy and Gilmore to maybe get an ad on there. You know, you never call, know. Call us. We, we, we get the political. You need a lawyer? Yeah, you do. Get, you, I appreciate that. You do get that. Yeah. Well, it's um, it's been good catching up. Uh, there's a lot going on. Um, not so much right now, but ne- next year there's going to be a lot going on with these ballot measures and this uh, Peltola baggage. Whoever else gets in there, um, and then I think the you know Democrats, progressives are going to really try to get back the house. So that'll be. It'll be a probably series of targeted house races. They're going to really try to. I think there'll be flip. Yeah, three to five races that are really the hot races. You know, McKay almost lost seven votes with uh, Denny Wells. There's um, you know, a few of those type where it was pretty close. That's, that's a close seat. Um, you know, ninety five percent certain that Josiah Pocketalk's going to become borough mayor. So that's going to create even if someone gets appointed to fill the remainder, that's going to be kind of an open seat. So you were, you were telling me that under the ballot initiative the before, I don't even know if this ever happened, but if an independent died or resigned, the governor kind of just, it's like a, you know, whatever you want. It's like dealer's right. choice. There's no, there's no confirmation. But now you're saying, you told me that it's the party, it's the caucus of the person. Correct. Has to, so you're sure the caucus, so in this case, it'd have to be the Republicans would have to confirm whoever Dunleavy picked up. The Republican majority plus Bush caucus would would confirm, which you know the Republicans are the vast majority of that mm-hmm. caucus. So, yeah, basically Republicans. So before choose. it was just kind of whatever. Yeah, under the old system, if an, if a nonpartisan resigned or died, the governor just got to pick any eligible person, which means you know anyone in that district. So the other indep- if there was other independents in the legislature, they wouldn't they wouldn't have a role a, vote, no, a voting role. Yeah, the old system didn't even didn't even conceive of that. That'd have been interesting because then I mean basically hey because pick, pick your buddy yeah remember the uh, the um, Dunleavy one ended up being that big mess with the guy who wanted to um, I give, give the well. ba- give the babies a uh, gun when they get a, the abortion happens that guy got picked remember that was kind of a that back I think it backfired it, that was an interesting <laughs> we had we had we had three appointments and I think it was an interesting process and I will say of the people considered ultimately Senator Shower was head and shoulders the best candidate. One guy, I forget his name, but oh boy, that was lo- that was loose. We we had some interesting candidates. <laughs> we had some interesting nominees. Walker ended up. I mean, Shower, um, John Lincoln, John Lincoln, who was outstanding. Tiffany Zolkowski, Tiffany outstanding. Yeah. So he he got quite. He a, got three appointments. Oh, no, he before I became chief of staff, he appointed Ivy Sponholtz. When, right, uh, Ivy too. Yeah. Uh, when one legislator passed away, so yeah, he appointed four. That's ten percent of the house. There you go. And then who's Dun- Dunleavy? He's appoint. I'm trying to. There was a re, uh, revac, right, for the Senate seat. There was another one. I'm trying to remember. Oh, oh, and, and then and then Mel Gillis to the to the revac seat. Oh yes, yeah, because yep. he ended up going. You yeah, know, kind of the the chain, the, the bait and switch. Yep. Well, I mean, it's a great summer day, and I really, I mean, it's already mid July here, and I'm really hoping that this day is going to be 
the next few months we're going to have this kind of weather because, my God, it's been a bad summer. It has. But, again, it hasn't been 90 degrees, and we'll take it. I remember that's like a like a flashback or like a PTSD that summer. I it was, it was like It was like 87 degrees in my house. I didn't. I don't love how I love weather like at about seventy degrees, and I'm like, where do I move? I can't move anywhere else. That's it. I'm, well, I'm if, this, if this glo- if this warming trend keeps going crazy right now, like I'm going to uh, Vegas for the weekend. Oof. Um, buddy got a companion fair. We're gonna go. It's 116. I have been there when it's been in the hundred and teens before. And I mean, if, if this thing's unreal, sticks eventually. I mean, we're gonna have prime time real estate up here in Anchorage. Buy, buy some land right now. Oh yeah. Well, Scott Kendall, it's been great talking to you. Kind of a lawyer. Political operative extraordinaire. Is that what you want to be called? Or I, I don't know. Yeah, that, that's some of the more polite things I've been called, though, so I'll take yeah, it. Yeah, some of the Republicans really don't like you. Like a lot, like it's a visceral. Uh, you know, I'm a, I was a long, I, I was a Republican until the day after January 6th. You know, I was a long-time Republican. Um, but, you know, I, I, I understand their angst because I have worked across the spectrum, but I also feel a bit like party got pulled out from under me. I was a Republican because of fiscal responsibility, because of law and order. And, you know, that, you know, yeah, to, to those Republicans out there who, who wonder, you know, why I have strayed, like, that, that's really the message is, like, what happened to those values? I went to, when I ran in 2020, when they ended up withdrawing, but I switched to nonpartisan in uh, you know, mid-2020. I've, I've been nonpartisan ever since, so, you know, over three years. Right, me and you. Now look well, at us. Yeah. Take a picture or something. <laughs> Sounds good. We'll have to take a picture if we ever switch back. Yeah, well, maybe, maybe we can, uh, maybe it'll be Landfill Kendall, so maybe down, way down the road, huh? Landfill Kendall or Kendall Landfill? Kendall Landfill. I mean, come on. A- age before beauty, my friend. <laughs> well, thanks a lot, Scott Kendall, for coming on, and um, I'm sure folks will be following you on these ballot initiatives and, and uh, you know, kind of what's going on for next next uh, cycle. It's going to be, what, next, you know, session, start, things are going to start to heat up. Yeah. Agreed. Well, let's so, let's do it again soon. Cool. Thanks a lot, Scott Kendall. Appreciate it for coming in. Yeah, take All care. Right, folks, if you have an idea for a podcast or want to do a podcast, get a hold of me and stay tuned for the next one. Landline.